we want to welcome everyone to tonight's class where we're continuing our study in the book of Revelation. Tonight we're going to be in Revelation chapter number 14. We're going to be looking at a couple other passages in the Bible, so um, it's important to have your Bibles out for this study. You should have your Bibles out for every study. Make sure that what I'm saying is what the Bible actually says. It also helps that if you've got the scripture right in front of you, typically when I teach, I read the scripture and then I go back and and pull pieces out of that and, and break it down that way. So it helps you to be able to go back and look at the scripture without me continually having to reread it every single time. So we're looking at the assurances that, that God gives us in chapter number 14, but looking at that for a few weeks now, and we're going to look at the last one tonight. It's the assurance that the ungodly, their judgment will take place. It's a great day of harvest. Oftentimes when we think of harvest on the earth, we think about the rapture and the God's church being harvested out, but understand that God also is going to be harvesting out the unsaved. He's going to be harvesting out those that have rejected him, those that have actively worked against him, those that have killed Christians. He's going to be harvesting them out for justice, justice as well. That day will be coming when the world is ripe for judgment. Looking around today, it's not difficult to see that we look like we're ripe for judgment today. Um, it looks like the things that need to take place, the, the uh, ungodliness, the evilness, the lawlessness, the the atheism are to a point today where it seems as if the, the the world is ripe for judgment. And I believe it is. And I believe that Jesus Christ will be coming back very, very soon for his church. Let's go ahead and look in chapter number 14, verse number 17. It says, and another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. So we looked last week at the angel that has sickle. Now here's another one that's coming out with a sickle. Notice where he's coming out of. He's coming out of the temple of God, <clears throat> coming directly from um, God's presence. He has a special mission. Um, this mission is, is given to him by God, and he's coming back with a sharp sickle in his hand. A sickle, of course, is a threshing tool. It's a tool that's used for harvesting, and that's what he's going to be doing. Verse number 18, and another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud voice to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather thy clusters of the of the vine of the earth for her grapes are are fully ready fully ripe verse number 19 and the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of god so we see a second angel appears now this angel doesn't come from the presence of god he doesn't come from 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 god's throne room this one comes from the altar and remember back a few weeks, actually several weeks, a couple of months ago, actually, we talked about the altar. This altar is where the the martyrs are. This altar is where, uh, this is the altar of incense. This is where the where the prayers of God's people are kept. This is where the those that, that were martyred, the saints of Christ before the, the, the tribulation, those that have been martyred during the tribulation, this is where they're at. So this angel comes from there. And it's, it's a picture of the fact that the cries, if you remember, the, the cries from those people that were there were cries of vindication. They wanted to be vindicated. They wanted their, their deaths to mean something. They wanted their um, the fact that their life was taken from them. They wanted that to be judged. They wanted the evil to be judged. So this angel is coming from their presence to the angel that's coming from God's presence. And he's telling them, he's crying unto him with an angelic cry. He's telling them to, to thrust that sickle in, to go ahead and judge Notice this angel has the power of fire. This means that the fire of God's judgment is, is, is going to be cast upon the earth. All the, all the believers will be consumed 
by God's fiery judgment. The angel cries out for the judgment to begin. Notice how how uh, the the ungodly, the evil, the earth are, are said to be clusters of grapes. The picture is of a second vine here. It's not the same vine that we normally associate with in the Bible. Normally, when we think of a vine in the Bible, we think of of, of Jesus Christ being the vine and us being the branches. But notice this isn't that vine. If you look at this, it says that it's the vine of the earth. This isn't the vine of, of God. This isn't the vine of Christ. This is the vine of the earth. And on that vine of the earth, there is fruit. And there is our, our fruit that is ripe. And the picture there is that, that this vine has grown to a point where now it's ripe, ready to be harvested, just as the Christians were ready to be harvested. Now the, the world has fulfilled its own lust. It's gone after its own things. And those things have, have reached a maturity. It's reached a, a point where it, they have to be harvested. Um, this passage points to that vine, that earthly vine. And I, I want you to see that picture. It talks twice. It says twice about the vine of the earth in that passage, because this isn't the vine that, that Jesus talked about in John 15, where he said, I am the vine, you're the branches. This is, this is a different vine. A lot of people get confused on that and think that God is, is judging his people here. This isn't his people that, that he's talking about here. This is the vine of the earth, not the vine of God, not the vine of Jesus Christ. This is the vine of the earth. It's that parallel counterfeit vine. He tells him in verse 14 or verse 18 to verse 14 of chapter 14. He says, thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe. A person chooses which vine they're going to be part of. When Jesus Christ came to the earth, he, he died and made the sacrifice for every single person on this earth. Every person that, that was there on that time, every person that's ever been born since then, and every person that will be born until Jesus Christ comes back, the sacrifice was made. So the people make a decision. Each one of us makes a decision whether or not we're going to be part of the vine of the earth or whether or not we're going to be a part of the vine of Jesus Christ. That's our choice. And this is the, the picture that's here, the picture of these two vines. And, uh, there will come a time when God's wrath will be full. This is a, a frightening picture of terror, um, a picture of horror, of the terrible judgment to come. It says, And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress, of the wrath of God. <clears throat> That's verse number 19. So this angel that is, has cut off this vine, this earthly vine, he takes that and he, he throws it into the wine press and uh, um, using the power of God to do this. He's cut down, it, it, it's cut down, it's gathered, and it's thrown into the wine press. So, so what is a wine press and what is God's wine press? You've probably seen wine presses. If you haven't seen them in person, You've probably seen them on TV or in movies or something like that. And in essence, what a wine press is, it, it's like a trough. Sometimes it'll be a, a round type of a trough, but usually it's a longer trough. And they put the, the grapes in there. And then the, the, the trampling of the grapes. Traditionally, this was something that was done um, with people. People would, would put their feet in there and they would stomp on these grapes and, and trample on the grapes underfoot. And it's a picture of no mercy. It's a picture of no grace. When somebody is is stomping on the grapes, there there is no compassion for the grapes. There is the only goal there is to trample those grapes. The only goal there is to destroy those grapes, and that's the picture 
of the trampling of the grapes. It's, a, it's something that's done deliberately. It's not something that's done on accident. It's something that God will be doing in his wine press. And it's that same picture. The picture is being painted there. Remember, this is being shown to John, and John is, is conveying that in the best understanding that he has. And so they're using something that was very common back then, which was the wine press. And the idea of the wine press is to, to completely destroy the grape to be able to get the wine out of it. There was no love. There's no compassion. There's no grace. All persons, every single one of us, will stand before God at some point and be judged. This is the judgment for the ungodly. This is the, the time where they are being uh, uh, judged in comparison to his perfection, that perfection that, that they have rejected their entire life. Uh, notice also that the trampling of the grapes is a thorough thing. It's not something that you don't trample half the grapes. You don't trample part of the grapes. It's a thorough thing. The trampling doesn't stop until the grapes are completely drained of the juice. The Bible tells us in John, 30, John 3, 36, that he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, but he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. That's a verse that that we, we've used before, we've talked about before, we've studied before, but we don't have a clear picture today of what God's wrath really looks like, simply because we don't experience God's wrath today. Um, we may pull ourselves away from his protection, and bad things happen to us, and, and we think, well, this is God's wrath on me, but it's really not God's wrath. God treats us with grace and with mercy today, but at this point in time, we will actually see God's wrath being poured out upon the unbelievers. Um, he talks about his wrath, wrath in all through the New Testament. But Romans chapter 1, verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So we'll see that wrath being poured out, their judgment coming. In essence, they were given the same opportunity that the Christians were given to be able to make a choice, to be able to make a decision. Uh, to choose which vine they wanted to be part of, and they chose the world over Jesus Christ. Uh, a horrific decision, but nevertheless, their decision that was made. The wine press of God's judgment is trampled down. Notice that it says, it says, and the wine press was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the wine press, even unto the horse's bridle, by the space of a, about a thousand and six hundred furlongs. So we see this picture of the the great of the juice coming out the blood coming out this picture that of of what's taking place here now it says that it's outside the city normally when the bible is talking about a a city in this regard it's talking about jerusalem so this is going to be something that's this is going to take place outside of the city of jerusalem where exactly we don't know there's a lot of theories as to where this takes place but we don't know exactly this by the way is the the point that we'll study more in chapter number 19. This is the Battle of Armageddon, is what this picture is painting here. This is the Great Battle of Armageddon. It's also called the Great Day of the Lord, um, the final battle for human history, uh, the judgment of God uh, upon the ungodly and the evil of this world. It comes by many, many different names. It's also referred to as the end of Satan's rule on this earth. Whatever you call it, this is what this is talking about. It's talking about this Battle of Armageddon that, like I said, we'll, we'll look a lot more into when we get to chapter number 19, <clears throat> which will be there quicker than you would imagine, um, it, it's the picture of that fateful day when the armies of the world will gather against the armies of God. Um, and Jesus Christ, of course, will be victorious over that. We're going to look a little bit into that today, but we're not going to 
really pull that apart today. We'll wait till we get to chapter 19 to actually do that. But notice it was outside the city. So somewhere outside of Jerusalem is where this battle is going to take place and where the, the armies of the world will take on the armies of God. In essence, they're going to take on Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, of course, will be victorious. Now look at the, the horrific scene. It's saying that the blood is going to flow as high as a horse's bridle. So how high is a horse's bridle? Well, I mean, it depends on the size of the horse. But even if it even if it's a little horse and the, the bridle is only a few feet off the ground, um, that's a lot of blood. That's a lot of blood to flow. Um, you know, I, I've seen situations where, you, you know, somebody is injured and, and they lose a lot of blood and you think that that's a lot of blood, but it, it rarely pools up. And it, I've never seen it pool up to where you would measure it by the depth. I've never seen blood, that much blood in one location <clears throat> where you'd say, well, the blood was this deep. Yet during this battle of Armageddon, where God's wrath is poured out, it'll be, the blood will be as deep as a horse's bridle. Um, it's going to be a horrific time. It's going to be a time where it's going to be a battle in a, how do I want to say this? It, it'll be the most horrific battle that man has ever seen. And man has seen some horrific battles. Um, you know, we've been fairly blessed in, in our lifetime for most of us that, you know, we, we've had battles in the Middle East and all, but, but most of us didn't experience things like D-Day and some of the things that took place during World War I and World War II, where, you know, two out of every three men were dead by the end of the day. Uh, horrific things like that where bodies just littered beaches and, and littered the, the battlefield. Um, today for us, battle has become much more surgical. Um, and to a certain extent, um, a little sterilized, uh, even though it's still horrific, I'm not trying to minimize anything of the battles that are going on today because battle war is war and it's always bad, but the wars we have today, you don't see the blood coming up to a horse's bridle, which is what'll take place at that particular time. I pulled out some references because the Bible, the Bible talks about this battle in several different places. If you've got your Bibles, I'd kind of like for you guys to read along with me. The first one is going to be in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 63, start reading verse one. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Boraz, Bozrah, this that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength, I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments, like him that treadeth in the wine fat? I have trodden the wine press alone, and of the people there was none with me. I will tread with them, mine, them in mine anger, and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. For the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. And I looked, and there was none to help, and I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore mine own arm brought salvation unto me, and my fury it upheld me. And I will tread down the people in mine anger, and will make them drunk in my fury, and I will bring down their strength to the earth. The next passage we're going to read is going to be in the book of Joel, if you want to turn there. Joel chapter number three, verse nine says, proclaim ye this among the Gentiles, prepare war, wake up the mighty men, let all the men of, of war draw near, let them come up, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears, 
Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together round about. Thither cause thy, thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be wakened and come up into the valley of Josaphat. For there will I sit to judge all heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. The Lord shall roar out of, out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth shall shake. But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So shall ye know that I am the Lord your God dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then shall Jerusalem be holy, and there shall no stranger pass through her any more. Revelation gives us another picture. If you want to turn back to Revelation, uh, well, he said we're not going to pull this portion up, this portion of scripture apart right now. We'll look at it when we get there in Revelation chapter number 19. Revelation chapter 19, verse 13. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress the fierceness of the wrath of, the Almi of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture, on his thigh, a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, all the fowl, saying to all the fowl that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he had deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which proceedeth out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. That's a horrific picture of this time of Armageddon. You know, um, one of the things that God has given us on this earth is a, a natural cleaning crew, if you will. When animals die, we don't have to worry about the um, the pestilence and the, and the virus and everything that comes from the, the dead and rotting flesh. When an animal dies before too long, the, the birds clean it up. Um, you know, if you're outside very much, you, you start to see the birds circling. And, and I remember one day, not too long ago, I saw birds in my backyard, the vultures in the backyard. So I, I walked out there to see what, what they were eating. I want to make sure it was, it was animal and not human of, you know, for some reason back there. And just, you just never know. And I went back, and as I got close, I could start to smell it, and it turned out it was it was an animal. But <clears throat> the birds smelled it before I did. You know, the birds they they know and they sense, and when when the animals are killed, whether it's on the road or they just die naturally, however they die, that once they start to rot, that the birds smell it and they know, and they come from all over. I mean, there were dozens of these birds in my yard that were there just to eat this this thing up, and when they were done, they left and they went to clean something else up. 
And this is what's going to happen there. God calls all the, or the angel calls all the birds to say, you know, get ready because there's about to be a feast for you. And it, it's to clean up all that filth and everything from that, the, the, the animals or the, the humans that die during that battle. We're going to read one more passage in second Thessalonians, second Thessalonians two chapter, chapter number two, verse number eight. And then shall the wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness and them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved for and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but have pleasure in unrighteousness. So we're getting closer and closer to this time in our study. We're getting closer and closer to this time in our world, this time of Armageddon, this time of a, a final battle of all, everything evil in this world battling against Jesus Christ. We call it a battle, but it's really not much of a battle because as soon as Jesus Christ opens up his mouth, there's nothing that can stand against his word. And this is an assurance that even though this is a heroic thing, this is an assurance for those that, that feel like sometimes that Satan is getting the upper hand. This is an assurance for those that feel like sometimes that, that, you know, the church is losing or that God is losing. We see things happening in our world and we shake our heads as how can God allow this? Well, understand God's not going to allow it for long. There is a time of judgment coming. There's a time of judgment that is going to judge everyone that denies Jesus Christ, everyone that persecutes, everyone that lies about the Bible and, and lies about God's people and hurts God's people, everyone that, that, that actively works against God's people, they will all be judged. Our job is to continue, whether, no matter how close we get to the end, our job doesn't change. Our job is to continue to tell people about Jesus Christ to continue to reach out and build disciples and, and raise up other people so they can also tell people about Jesus Christ. You know, most of us on this call, we're, we're getting older and eventually we're not going to be here. Whether, you know, you know, whether we die of natural causes or, or whatever takes place, we have limited time here on this earth. And when we're gone, somebody else has to carry on. And it's up to each one of us to, to, to not only create our replacement, on this earth that can teach people about Jesus Christ, but to create additional ones. You know, it's not a, a one for one thing. Jesus didn't come to the earth to, and, and have one disciple. He had 12 disciples. He had actually many more than that, but he had 12 that were, that were central to his ministry. And we need to be about the business of, of not just adding a, a disciple. We need to be about the business of, of multiplying. So instead of us bringing in one person and teaching one person everything that we've been taught, we bring in two or we bring in three, and we teach them how to do the same thing. And we begin to expand the kingdom of God. We begin to expand the influence of God. And our time is running out. Our time is, is quickly running out. And where there's comfort in the fact that we know the time is running out, we're going to get to go home soon. At the same time, there needs to be a sense of urgency because there are a lot of people in our community, a lot of people in our world today, they're going to face the wrath of God if we don't reach them with the gospel first.